0: Welcome, everybody, to the Trey Kelly Perspective. Today on our show, we're going to be doing the book review, and I have with me one of my favorite literary geniuses <laughs> and that I know, <laughs> which is my mom. She loves to read, and she has taught me the love of reading growing up, and so I thought there would be no one better to have on the show for reading and discussing some books with you all. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you for the introduction. I love to be referred to as a literary genius. I'll take it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So today we're going to be looking at one of, if not the most renowned, greatest self-help books of all time. And that is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's been around for a really long time and it's still super influential today. Mom, could you tell us a little bit, what is this book about? Why do you think it's had such a big impact?
1: Yeah, I I think it's, it's had such a big impact because it's truly stood the test of time. This is written back in the 1930s, more specifically 1936. And at the time, his ideas were pretty revolutionary about just how to function and how to connect and how to form these relationships that come so naturally to some people but other people might need some help and some instructions. And when he wrote, set out to write this book, he covered every single, basically every single interaction that you can possibly have. I mean, you can change the details and make it fit just about any, any conversation or any person or any interaction between people, um, just as well in 2023 as when he wrote it in 1936. So it's it's phenomenal and it boils down to teaching people how to connect.
0: Right. I remember when I first discovered this book, I started reading, it. I just, I couldn't put it down. It's so great, the information. It's so it's almost simple and obvious, but it's something that we don't always do and and it really it changes how you look at the world, how you interact with people. I know that like literally on a daily basis, I think about some of the lessons I've learned in this book. And I want to keep studying it so I can continue to to perfect and master what I've learned in this book. Because it really it teaches you leadership. It teaches you communication skills. It teaches you how to form greater relationships and bonds with people around you. Oh, yeah. That's what I love about this book.
1: And it's so simple. It's a really simple formula to follow. And, and like you said, right at first you think about this is so simplistic, how can it work? But because it all boils down to the most basic truth is everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be cared about. And ultimately, um, if you want to be an interesting person, then be interested in everybody else. Be interested in what they're passionate about. And yeah, it's just people will gravitate towards you and, and you'll connect on a deeper level than you, than you would have otherwise. So I love it. It's it's a great book. I I I highly can't, I can't recommend it enough. I, like you said, I'd like to continue to study it and um, keep trying to implement these things.
0: One hundred percent. What like like you said, what this book really boils down to is having genuine care and interest for other people. And that makes all the yeah. difference. Um. So yeah, we're we've each picked out um some passages that we really like. Um, that teaches really um, powerful lessons to us. My passage is in chapter 3. It says, he who can do this has the whole world with him. And he who cannot walks a lonely way. What a powerful statement that is. Yeah. Um, that if whatever he's about to teach us in this chapter, if you can master this skill, if you can do this, you can have the whole world with it, with you. If not, you're going to be lonely. Basically, people, people are not going to want to be around you because you haven't mastered this skill. Yeah. And so, let's get into it. He says, and he starts off with a little bit. He, he uses so many stories in this book. That's what I like because stories are one of the greatest teachers. Jesus Christ always used stories or parables to teach and that's exactly what Dale Carnegie, Carnegie does over and over again in this book. He says, I often went fishing up in Maine during the summer. Personally, I'm very fond of strawberries and cream, but I've found that for some strange reason, fish prefer worms. So when I went fishing, I didn't think about what I wanted. I thought about what they wanted. I didn't bait the hook with strawberries and cream. Rather, I dangled a worm or a grasshopper in front of the fish and said, wouldn't you like to have that? So why not use the same common sense when fishing for people? (laughs) I love it.
1: So how does that translate into modern conversation?
0: It means that as people, we are always interested in ourselves more than anything. We want to talk about the things that, that we like and the things that are important to us. But when talking to other people, guess what? The thing that they're most interested in is themselves and what they like and what's important to them and so if you want to be a good leader if you want to have a good connection with people you've got to show interest in them you've got when you're having a conversation with someone talk about them yeah that's going to make all the difference absolutely so he goes on to say in this passage Why talk about what we want? That is childish, absurd. Of course, you're interested in what you want. You are eternally interested in it, but no one else is. The rest of us are just like you. We are interested in what we want. So the only way on earth to influence other people is to talk about what they want and show them how to get it. So then Dale Carnegie tells us a story about when he was using a grand ballroom of a certain New York hotel. Mm -hmm. And he had used this hotel for years to to give his lectures, and they were really famous and really popular. It brought a lot of business to the hotel, and this is what he says about it. At the beginning of one season, I was suddenly informed that I should have to pay almost three times as much rent as formerly. This news reached me after the tickets had been printed and distributed and all announcements had been made. Naturally, I didn't want to pay the increase. But what was the use of talking to the hotel about what I wanted? They were interested only in what they wanted. So a couple of days later, I went to see the manager. I was a bit shocked when I got your letter, I said, but I don't blame you at all. If I had been in your position, I should probably have written a similar letter myself. Your duty as the manager of the hotel is to make all the profit possible. If you don't do that, you'll be fired and you ought to be fired. Now let's take a piece of paper and write down the advantages and the disadvantages that will accrue to you if you insist on increasing in rent. Now I took a letterhead and ran the line through the center and headed one column advantages and the other column disadvantages. I wrote down under the head advantages these words, ballroom free. Then I went on to say, you will have the advantage of having the ballroom free to rent for dances and conventions. That is a big advantage. For affairs like that will pay you much more than you can get for a series of lectures. If I tie your ballroom up for 20 nights during the course of the season, It is sure to mean a loss of some very profitable business for you. Now let's consider the disadvantages. First, instead of increasing your income from me, you are going to decrease it. In fact, you are going to wipe it out because I can't pay the rent you are asking. I shall be forced to hold these lectures at some other place. There is another disadvantage to you also. These lectures attract crowds of educated and cultured people to your hotel. That is good advertising for you, isn't it? In fact, if you spent $5,000 advertising in the newspapers, you couldn't bring as many people to look at your hotel as I can bring by these lectures. That is worth a lot to the hotel, isn't it? As I talked, I wrote these two disadvantages under the proper heading and handed the sheet of paper to the manager saying, I wish you would carefully consider both the advantages and disadvantages that are going to accrue to you and then give me your final decision. I received a letter the next day informing me that my rent would be increased only 50% instead of 300 percent mind you i got this reduction without saying a word about what i wanted i talked all the time about what the other person wanted and how he could get it imagine if he had gone into that situation saying what he wanted right imagine if he went in there and he was just maybe had a little mad and said like this is not okay i bring you a lot of business i i I've been doing these lectures for a while. This is going to really inconvenience me. This is this is not going to fly. Right. What, what do you think the manager would have said in that, in that oh, situation? He, just,
1: he would have dug in deeper. He would have dug his heels in and said, you know, this is too bad. It is what it is. But while you're reading that, it, it made me think of something that just happened this evening. Um, I had, you know, James and I, or your dad and I had been looking for, um, had we uh, we were looking for a car. We had test driven a couple of different cars. And, um, there's two of them that I really loved. I thought they were really, really nice. And, um, so I, I'd, I'd been kind of interacting back and forth with the salesman. And while I was out running errands, I get a call from the general manager and, you know, we just kind of talked about meeting, meeting in the middle with a price that we wanted. And, you know, of course he's a, he's a general manager. He needed to sell it and he needs to make money and as he should. But as you're reading this story, I started thinking, I'm going to approach him differently. Because the ball's kind of in my court now. He's waiting for a response from me. And instead of going back at it with, um, you know, kind of digging my heels in deeper with my negotiations, I think I'm going to approach the sale of this car, the purchase of this car, by addressing his needs and his interests and what he's striving to do as a manager of this dealership. Not so much about the price that I want to that I'm comfortable with but more about the advantages that will come to him by selling me the car at this price. So I, I never even thought about it as far as like negotiating for a, a car but but that's what's so great about this book is here you know almost 100 years ago it was written and we can use it now to in in the negotiation of purchasing a car from a dealership. It's just it's it's incredible how these these principles applied to just about any situation that we have in life.
0: Yes, exactly. And I'm really interested to see how that goes with you know your new approach to working with this negotiating with the salesman. Because in my experience, like ever since reading this book, like now when I am like if I'm gonna write an email to someone asking them for something that I want, mm-hmm. I always try to start off with talking about what they want
1: it's so brilliant
0: and I, i'm not perfect at it and i don't always remember to do it but like it is definitely a game changer when you do it that way because when the focus is on what they want then of course they want to help you out with something if it has to do with what they want if it's something about what what you want uh, maybe they don't really care about that they probably don't right
1: like focus on what how it's going to benefit them
0: yeah, exactly. So
1: somehow, some way, I've got to convince this manager that meeting me at the price that I want—in fact, he'll probably either break even or lose money on this vehicle. But I've got to somehow convince him that this is what he wants. <laughs> it's going to be a right. little tricky, but I think I can do it if I give it enough thought.
0: Yeah, sometimes it, you know it takes thought. It takes a little bit of poise to do it the right way, but we, it, it definitely pays off how about we go ahead and get into your passages or is there anything else you wanted to talk about no that
1: that pretty much covers it i think that's fantastic all right mine uh, my passage is pretty simple um it's actually from page 82 i'm not sure what chapter it is but um it appealed to me because it's talking about something that it, it uses a comparison a comparison with something that is a big big tender spot for a lot of people and that's a pet dog And, um, in fact, you know, your older sister, Lauren, my daughter loves, oh my goodness. She loves her dogs. She's got these two little dogs and one in particular, she just loves, loves this dog. I mean, before she gave birth to her first daughter, you would think that this dog was her child. She just loved it so much. And so when I read this, I thought about her and the way she loves her dog. And so it's easy to understand how this applies to our lives. Um, so he writes, Why not study the technique of the greatest winner of friends the world has ever known? Who is he? You may meet him tomorrow coming down the street. When you get within 10 feet of him, he will begin to wag his tail. If you stop and pat him, he will almost jump out of his skin to show you how much he likes you. And you know that behind this show of affection on his part, there are no ulterior motives. He doesn't want to sell you any real estate. He doesn't want to marry you. Did you ever stop to think that a dog is the only animal that doesn't have to work for a living? A hen has to lay eggs, a cow has to give milk, and a canary has to sing. But a dog makes his living by giving you nothing but love. And the reason I I love this is because here we are studying how to connect with people. And he uses the analogy uh, or tries to show us about what it all boils down to is genuine and sincere love. Without ulterior motives, without wanting something from the other person, if you want to connect with the people in your life, if you want to have true friends and true friendship, and, and if you want to be influential in your job or in your um, in your community, it all boils down to the foundation, which is genuine and sincere love. Loving people for their differences, loving them dis- not despite their differences, but because of their differences, just love people, love them wholeheartedly with everything inside of you and don't hold back and they will feel that love. People love to be loved and they're addicted to it and they are drawn mm-hmm. to it. So I think that's probably pretty much the reason I picked that passage is because it boils down to learning how to love and, and how to have the courage to love others because I think it takes courage.
0: Yeah, it does take courage. It, it does... And it takes a level of selflessness to just want to show kindness and love and appreciation to other people, not thinking about yourself.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, not, a lot of people they, they question this book. They're like, 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 is this trying to teach me like gimmicks or like manip- manipulation tactics? Um, but it's mm-hmm. not. Like he he actually in every single chapter, Del Carnegie mentions that like this stuff doesn't work unless it's sincere. And so just like the dog, you have to be in this mindset of I want to care and show affection for others, not try and get other what I want in return. You know, we we talked about last time. You know, if you want to get something that you want, you got to do this. Um, but it, you really do. It's kind of a paradox. You have to have the mindset of not really caring so much about what you want, but actually genuinely caring about what the other person thinks and, and just showing that love to them, like you said. Which
1: requires um, an almost inhuman amount of selflessness. I think by nature, we're selfish. It's it's a survival instinct. You know, we, We're kind of watching out for our own, but to really set your your own desires aside and your own fears and to selflessly love someone else, without fear of being taken advantage of or being hurt in any way, just love. I mean, it's a, I don't know. It's, it's, it's incredible. He has a, he has a, a, a part, you know, he kind of breaks down the six ways to make people like you and, you know, he goes pretty extensively on about it. But, um, you know, each one of these, each one of the six steps are based in being genuine, you know, become genuinely interested in other people. Mm -hmm. Smile. Everyone can tell if it's a fake smile. The second step is smile. The third is, you know, remember their name. That's a hard one. It, it, a lot of times when someone's saying their name, you have like sensory input overload. You, You meet somebody within those first 10 seconds, you are taking in their height and their hair color and their eye color and their accent and what they're wearing. You're taking in so much information that sometimes when they say their name, you don't even process it. You don't even hear it. So you have to I like
0: how he says the greatest word in the human language to each individual is their own name. Yeah, he, he says so the, s-
1: the sweetest and most important sound.
0: Yes, yes.
1: like the sound of their name. Isn't that funny? Um, but yeah, encourage others to talk about themselves, be a good listener, um, talk in terms of the, their interests, and ultimately and sincerely, just really try strive to make the other person feel important. Because everyone is important and everyone has a story. And if you want them to like you, then like them, like their passion, like their interests. It'll just evolve naturally.
0: Right. It's so true. And this is such simple, like we said in the beginning, almost should be really obvious um, ways to interact with the people around us. but. It definitely is harder said than done. Yeah. Easier said than done. <laughs> Easier said
1: than done, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Easier
1: said than done, yeah. Well. Yeah, uh,
0: harder to harder put into practice than, than just reading and talking about it.
1: You know, I was reading a book today, and the author was referring to the techniques that she was using in the book. And she said these steps are simple, but it doesn't mean they're easy. And so I think that's an important way to look at life. These steps in this book and steps throughout anything that great that you're trying to accomplish, they can be simple. They can be very simple steps. But it doesn't mean they're easy. They are going to require effort. And so put some effort into it. What could get, what could yield better results than having deep connection with the people you love around you? What could be a more worthwhile goal?
0: Right. That's There isn't anything. That, that's the most worthwhile thing that we can pursue in this life is you know having great strong relationships with others because you know in, in truth the relationships that we have on these with others in this life is the only thing that carries with us into the next life we don't carry any possessions but we, we do carry our relationships with others and, and that's why family is so important and not just blood family but Family by through way of friends and, and connections with others
1: well the the whole human family the whole human family exactly i mean we're we're all here let's 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 turn towards each other, not away from each other it's it's critical i mean these these simple practices i mean can make a worldwide movement if more people could get out think stop thinking within themselves and start looking without. And just striving to to care and be sincere and to be interested.
0: Right, one hundred percent. Now, did you have other passages that you wanted to share as well?
1: I had a bunch of little quotes written down, um, just some really really simple things. Um, but ultimately, I'll just kind of close my, my thoughts with this because it's it's something that I really strive to live by. Because we're all going to face hardship, we're all going to fa- face trials and and have good times and bad. That's it's unavoidable. And uh, we don't even necessarily want the bad times to go away because it makes the good times that much sweeter. So um, this, this quote really hit me. It was on page 100. And he said, It isn't what you have or who you are or where you are or what you're doing that makes you happy or unhappy. It is what you think about. And I think about that all the time. Like you can find happiness with anyone wherever you are. No matter what you're doing. And I, I've seen it from, um, you know, doing these hurricane disaster cleanups that we've been involved with over the years. And, you know, we're knee deep in sludgy, you know, just sewage waters and trying to muck out people's houses where they've lost everything. And we're shoulder to shoulder with these homeowners who have just lost everything that they've ever owned in this world. And they're filled with joy because they're focused on the positive, and they're great. They're filled with gratitude, and I mean, I, I've seen some really happy people in some really unhappy situations, mm-hmm. and it's because of where their heart is and what they're focused on. So, it's something I really try. I really, really, really try to look for the silver lining in in every situation. And so that that quote really hit me. I really, it's something I want to continue to strive to do, even more perfectly if I can.
0: I love that quote. And of course, it really reminds me of what our prophet, President Russell Nelson, has said a few years ago that is probably his most um, quoted quote, where he says, the joy that we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. It's 100% sure. It's where your heart is. If you... Focus on, on the good, on the positive, and especially um, in the context that President Nelson was talking about, focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you will be able to feel joy. And the circumstances that you're going through in your life will have little impact on your joy.
1: I love that. It's true. And it, we've proved it within ourselves time and time again. And we've also proved the opposite. Mm-hmm. You can be in paradise and be miserable if you're focused on the fact that uh, your waitress is taking too long to bring you a drink. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, where it's, it's all about um, the focus of your life and, and not as much about the circumstances. And it is about focusing on the Savior. All joy, all happiness comes back to our relationship with him. And striving to become more like him.
0: 100%. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. there's um, Obviously, there's a lot of wisdom in this book. How to Win Friends and Influence People. It is great. We've only pulled out a few really small nuggets out of it. Um, And it is just packed full with more great stuff like this on all types of topics. And it centers around the same principles, but in so many different ways you can use it. We highly recommend this book. I would love to return to this book again in a future episode. We, we might even you know, go over this again because there, there's so much to look at here. and it, it really stands the test of time. And just before we go, I want to leave with you all an invitation. We can all do it tomorrow. It's a simple invitation, a way that we can apply what we've learned about in this book today. Tomorrow... Have a conversation with someone that you know, family, a friend, a loved one, but only talk about them. Only talk about what they're interested, what they would want to talk about. Don't mention the things going on in your life. Don't mention what what you're thinking about, what you want, what you like. Try that out. Just tomorrow, call up someone that you know, send someone a text, sit down with someone. And just talk about them and ask them questions about themselves and just see what happens. And I can promise that instantly they're going to feel a greater connection to you. You guys are going to feel a greater connection to each other and greater appreciation for each other. They're going to think you're a greater conversationalist, even though they did most of the talking because you were you know, asking about them.
1: <laughs> I love that that is the irony of it, but it's 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 absolutely foolproof.
0: So yeah. I'm gonna try to do that tomorrow.
1: I'll definitely try. I'll definitely do it.
0: And I hope that whoever's listening to this right now, I hope that you take up that challenge because it's a game changer. The more that we do that, the greater our lives are gonna be. Absolutely. Do you have any last word Mom?
1: I real I just really appreciate you inviting me to do this and um if, for those that don't know this, we're actually um, doing this podcast in two separate countries right now. Mm-hmm. So we're about 8,000 miles away from each other. 8, right. 000. Yep. Um, but um, just, I, I feel closer to you than ever. And so I, I really appreciate you doing this. And, and I really hope, I appreciate this challenge and I hope everyone takes you up on it. Uh, I'll definitely try it myself, but it'll be kind of hard. I'm a chatty person. So we'll have to really, I might have to do it over text message. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you so much, and we'll look forward to doing it again next week.
1: All right. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you, everybody, for watching. Have a good day.